if it belongs to the individual himself, there is no offense. You can ruin your own stuff. That's fine. Episode 111. Today is my 111th birthday. Happy birthday, Bilbo. Um, and Tipitaka Part 50, in which I will be reciting Sutta Vibhanga Pakitiya 14, maybe 15. We'll see how it goes. Of course, you already know from the uh, scroll at the beginning. If this is your first time seeing me, go ahead and click here. That will take you to the TB Taka playlist. Better to start with episode one. Um, you might have noticed, especially those of you who are on YouTube, those of you on the podcast who have uh, very acute hearing, might also have noticed that I am back home in New Delhi, India. So, um, we're back at the desk. I'm much bigger than I was in some of the previous episodes where I was off in the distance with the microphone while the phone was far off. It's, it's a different, little different experience, but we're still reading the same material. I would like to, ah, see, there's New Delhi saying hi. Um, I would like to welcome our special guest, Sai Baba of Shirdi, Shirdi. Um, he's been a special guest on this program before, though I think it was back when we were doing the Jain Sutras. But I, I thought I'd um, mention a bit more. Uh, for one, back in 2018, uh, my friend Yogesh um, brought me to one of his temples, which we can put up here on the screen probably. Uh, I don't know what you're seeing, but... It might be still images, it might be video of uh, my trip to the Sai Baba temple over there in Pune, or near Pune, in Maharashtra. I'm not very good at pronouncing things. Um, yeah, just in a general sense, when I came to India in uh, four years ago, I, I mean, I wasn't totally ignorant about India for your average bear, you know? Um, my mom was showing me uh, pictures in the Bhagavad Gita when I was, you know, early learning to read, kind of with my ABCs and whatnot, and uh, whatnot. And my dad always kind of consciously or unconsciously referred to India as where all wisdom comes from, <laughs> where spirituality comes from, where the sort of assumed... Um, spiritual reality, metaphysical baseline of, uh, of truth comes from, you know, uh, I mean, thinking back, he, he passed away a long time ago, uh, 1993. Um, 
but he was the one who introduced me to Buddhism. However, it was much more about a Vajrayana Buddhism, hence the robe. Um, but right now I'm diving into early Buddhism, of course, because I want to fill in the gaps, um, which is, it's a, it's a personal ongoing path, which I've decided to invite you to join me in the, the, the part where I'm, you know, reading the things that uh, a lot of people don't know what it says, or they just sort of get the cliff notes and say, okay, that's enough. I don't need to dive into that too much. I'm going to read the Diamond Sutra. I'm going to read the Flower Garden Sutra. We will get to all that good stuff. In fact, uh, a how long is it? It's very long. Um, I think it's almost 2,000 pages, I want to say. Uh, the Flower Garland Sutra, the Sanskrit escapes me at the moment, um, is on its way. That's a Mahayana Sutra. It's kind of the one that is thought of as being very fractal-oriented. Worlds within worlds. Millions of Buddhas in millions of worlds in every particle that is so small that you can't even see it. Time within time within time in this moment and in every other moment. You know, this kind of thing, which sounds really cool. But we'll get to that when we get to it. For now, we're still covering the basics. Uh, but yeah, Sai Baba, the, the point is, um, I was coming from having, having read Dogen and having kind of come to think of Buddha as the personification of enlightenment itself, which, I mean, that's the idea. The name Buddha means awakened. So in Mahayana and Vajrayana more so, I think, uh, there is obviously a great deal of emphasis put on the personage of Lord Buddha or, you know, the, there's the idea that he's not the first Buddha, but, you know, the one the historical Buddha who kind of opened the whole world of Buddhahood to the world. And while there are other Buddhas in later forms of Buddhism, um, there are, you know, um, Taras and, and uh, Padmasambhava in Vajrayana and so on and so forth, and, and Adi Buddha and, uh, and future Buddhas and all of these Buddhas, they're all Buddhas. It all started with Buddha. It's all within that framework of Buddha and Buddhism. In Jainism, there's, of course, the Tirtankaras. And in, in, uh, in Jainism, there are many Tirtankaras. And every few hundred years, there's a new Tirtankara, although I'm pretty sure we haven't had one in about 2,600 years. Uh, but basically, uh, I knew yoga, and I practiced and taught yoga in the context of that uh, you know, I, I kind of got the got the idea in my head from Alan Watts, and it's probably not too far from the truth, that Lord Buddha was practicing yoga, and that, of course, meditation is uh, step seven in the eightfold uh, path of yoga, of Ashtanga. Now, before you click away, Ashtanga means eight limbs. So when people say, oh, I do Ashtanga, they're talking about Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, which was a, a form of yoga that's like sort of like a gym workout that was uh, founded by uh, Patabi Joyce in the 20th century. Um, so it's come to be called Ashtanga for short. But before him, and the reason why he named his school Ashtanga Vinyasa is because of Ashtanga Yoga, which means eight-limbed yoga. Um, the first 
is, you know, the rules, kind of like what we're doing now is the rules, the beginning, very beginning, the yamas, uh, you know, no killing, that, that kind of thing, no violence, and, and so on and so forth. I'm a little rusty, so I can't rattle them off quite as quickly as I used to. But, uh, you know, no sexy business was one of them. So it's very, very similar to Jainism and to Buddhism. So um, it didn't seem like it was too far out of an idea. And so in rather than, you know, joining a temple or something and going and saying, teach me, and sitting and listening to lectures and burning incense, I thought that practicing yoga and learning by teaching, diving into as a lifestyle by becoming a teacher of yoga would be a more direct way to connect with the path of Lord Buddha. And so that was kind of my focus when I came to India four years ago. Um, Buddhism and yoga, but yoga as it, as it relates to Buddhism from, from my upbringing and from my outside perspective of thinking of Lord Buddha as, you know, uh, Maybe it was in part informed by kind of the general Christian vibe or post-Christian, depending on where you look in the West, where there's this idea that Jesus is the one true God, right? Uh, Buddha is the one true enlightened one, the one true teacher, the one true guru. And this unconsciously held assumption that anybody who disagrees with that statement is false, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then coming to India... Of course, you know, reading uh, the words of my perfect teacher and so on, and, uh, you know, the, the, the outsider perspective of India is that Buddhism used to flourish here, and it was a very good time for humanity and for Buddhism and for the path and for souls to become enlightened. And then, sadly, the non-Buddhists took over. So that's, you know... It kind of rings like, okay, non you mean everyone else in the world, you know, sort of like when, when Christians talk about pagans or something, it's like, you mean people who aren't you, right? Okay, whatever, like Gentiles or something from the Jewish perspective. All right, all right, yeah, they have a word for that. I forget what it is. I didn't bother to remember it because it's silly. But uh, yeah, so coming to India, I, I came to realize very quickly from talking to the people here, the people who are more, you know, let's say spiritually oriented or oriented toward the path of enlightenment or, um, you know, uh, the, the peaceful way, the philosophical, the ancient philosophical India, if that makes sense. There's much more of a sense that, yes, yes, we're very proud of Buddhism here. Lord Buddha was certainly among the many, many, many enlightened beings that have walked on this soil since time immemorial and much more recently as well. And uh, they all kind of have a different perspective, a different flavor, but ultimately they're all pointing toward the same enlightenment and the same way and the same path. And uh, then the, you can get into the nitty gritty of the ones that say that you should do it while being chased and the ones that say you don't have to and the ones that pretty much, you know, the way of the peaceful. When, when people are on the path, they're usually vegetarian or, uh, you know, they lean that way or at least acknowledge the virtue of being vegetarian if they themselves are not, and so on and so forth. Um, so, all of that being said, Sai Baba of Shirdi was born in 1838, maybe, but we know he died on October, he passed away on October 15th, 1918. So, relatively recent when we're talking about, you know, Guru Nanak, founder of the Sikhs, 
you know, uh, Lord Buddha, founder of Buddhism 2,600 years ago, Mahavir, founder of what we, the, the school known as Jainism 2,600 years ago, same time as Buddha, although there were Tirtankaras before him, and, uh, you know, the many others. So, Shirdi Sai Baba was an Indian spiritual master, yes, you can tell I'm reading this, and Fakir, considered to be a saint, revered by both Hindu and Muslim devotees during and after his lifetime. So if you're here in India and you see Sai Baba, you see a statue of Sai Baba, you see Sai Baba written on something, you can't really be too sure whether uh, it's a Hindu or a Muslim because they, they both like Sai Baba. That kind of blows one's mind if one's mind is, uh, you know, um, not aware of such things. Uh, in uh, You might remember when we met Guru Nanak, he was kind of shocking both Hindus and Muslims, but Sai Baba was inspiring both Hindus and Muslims. And... Um, not not inspiring to change not inspiring them to change their religion uh, Hindus who become inspired by Sai Baba remain Hindus Muslims who become inspired by Sai Baba remain Muslims where uh, Hindus and Muslims who become inspired by Guru Nanak then become Sikh or at least in his lifetime that was how it was these days I think most people are either born Sikh or they're not. Um, you don't hear a lot about converts to Sikhism, although I'm sure there, there's there's a bridge in Kundalini Yoga. Some people who who dive very deeply into that might might be doing some kind of conversion ritual or you know whatnot. I wear a kata. I like Guru Nanak, but I I, uh, I don't consider myself a Sikh. Um, so, yeah, Sai Baba, a little bit more. According to accounts from his life, Sai Baba preached the importance of the realization of the self. And then you can hear all the muttering, oh, it's, it's so, you know, on one hand, it's like, oh, it's ignoring God. And on the other hand, is there is no self, you know, and all, okay, 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 okay. Splitting hairs, you know. Um, uh, he criticized love toward perishable things. Ah, now the Christians and the Buddhists are nodding along. Both, right? Right? The love of money is the, you know, all this. Um, his teachings and uh, non-attachment. I, I, there's a subtle difference there. Non-attachment is of great assistance when seeking to attain enlightenment. Has a little bit of a different ring than the love of money is the root of all evil. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You know, it's like, okay, same message, different delivery, different emphasis, you know. One is kind of like, be on the path or burn in hell. And the other is, be on the path if you want to. Otherwise, you can get married and have a family. Yeah. At least in Theravada, it was kind of like, be a monk. Or you can be a lay follower, or you know, or or not be a follower of another sect or a follower of no sect. But nobody was running around talking too much about hell, uh, except in the context of like if you do something very bad. But nobody's saying that you'll you'll burn in hell for not following this one particular guru. That was something that came later in the West. I don't think it really exists much in the East anywhere. Um, 
east and west, east and west of what? The Middle East, obviously. Um, let's see, where were we? His teachings concentrate on a moral code of love, forgiveness, helping others, charity, contentment, inner peace, and devotion to God and guru. He stressed the importance of surrendering to the true Satguru. No, not that guy. Um, that's a Will Smith. Anyway, um, no. Uh, Satguru means true guru. Gu means light. Ru, no. Gu means darkness. Ru means light. So one who brings you from darkness to light. Um, but it is important to note that if a child is uh, going to school and everybody's speaking Sanskrit for some reason, basically, to cut short, if somebody's your music teacher, somebody comes over and says, uh, you know, okay, so this is the scale for, you know, C sharp, major, diminished. That doesn't make sense, I know. But, uh, but someone might say, Guru, um, am I playing it correctly? Uh, yes, yes, you know, you, that, that is correct. Um, or if someone's your, you know, uh, guru, can I go to the bathroom? You know, like little kids in kindergarten. So guru means teacher. It's one who brings you from ignorance to knowledge, from darkness to light. Um, of course, in the Western world, there's that term again. We've got to find a, a substitute for that, don't we? Isn't, the, isn't these days all about killing old words that have negative connotations and replacing them with other sterile abbreviations? No. Um, Yes, so Satguru means what you think of when you hear the word guru, probably. Um, but in Indian, you know, uh, world, in the Indian world, uh, guru means teacher. Satguru means true teacher, which means like spiritual teacher or great enlightened one, that kind of thing. Is that all making sense? Do you want, should we get to the reading? Should we, should we move off of all this babbling and, and, and get back to what you came here for? The Pakitiya? I, I think so. Sorry for going on for so long in this one. Um, hope you're all, all doing well. I'm uh, happy to be back. Of course, it's, it's always beautiful down in the tropics. The rain is nice, but there's something to be said for being in your own place. You know what I mean? Um, I missed my books and my statues and whatnot. And those guys outside saying, selling things and whatnot. All right, let us begin. Expiation, Pakitiya 14. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying in the Jetta Grove in Anattapindika's monastery, their usual hangout. Now at that time, monks preparing lodgings in wintertime in the open air, drying their bodies in the sun, when the time was announced, setting forth neither removed them nor had them removed, parentheses, but, close parentheses, set forth without having asked, Parentheses for permission, close parentheses. The lodgings were damp. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, did you follow any of that? I, I think the monks are naked. I'll just keep reading. Maybe it'll become clear. Quote, how can monks preparing lodgings in the open air, setting forth, neither remove nor have them removed, parentheses, but set forth without having asked, 
parentheses for permission, so that, close parentheses, the lodgings are, parentheses, left, close parentheses, damp, question mark, end quote. Still a little confused, but I'll just keep reading. All right, then these monks told this matter to the Lord. Three dots. Is it true, as is said, that monks preparing lodgings in the open air? Three dots. Parentheses left, close parentheses, damp. Question mark, three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk... Spreading or having spread in the open air a couch or a chair or a mattress or a stool, spread any good stools lately, belonging to the order, setting forth, should neither remove it nor have it removed, go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. Ah! Okay, so if you take uh, you know a cloth or, or a cushion or something, and, and it belongs to the order, it's not your personal cushion, right? And you put it somewhere out in the open, and then you just kind of get up and wander off, and it becomes damp. That's bad. Don't do that. I agree. You know, one time uh, we had a friend's wedding in my uh, backyard, and... A bunch of guys picked up and moved our couch out to the roof of the garage. Now, it, it was up on a hill, so the garage was like down several steps. So the roof of the garage was just a little bit, a few feet up for like a meter up from the ground on that level where the lawn was, where the grass was. Grass is a thing that, never mind, uh, it's an American thing. Um, mostly, hopefully going away, people have realized that it's uh, a huge waste of water for a plant that doesn't provide sustenance for anybody, and it's only for aesthetic. But anyway, um, so yeah, they put the, the couch up on top of the garage, and then we had the wedding ceremony, and afterward, everybody left. And then, I don't know, I mean, I suppose I could have gotten a bunch of guys over and lifted up. It was a heavy couch, and brought it back inside, but I didn't. And uh, the couch lived on top of that garage for a long time, and it got to be really nasty because once a year or so in Los Angeles, it does actually rain. And so multiply that by about seven or eight years and the couch is pretty disgusting. Okay, maybe twice a year. Okay, where were we? And thus, this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord, a rule I should have had at the old house now at that time, monks staying in the open air were bringing back lodgings early in the morning. Now the Lord saw these monks bringing back lodgings early in the morning and seeing them in this connection on this occasion, having given reasoned talk, he addressed the monks saying, quote, I allow you, monks, for the eight months, parentheses, of the time, close parentheses, not appointed for keeping the reins, to put aside lodgings in a hut or at the foot of a tree, wherever crows or vultures do not leave droppings. End quote. Yes, please. Droppings. Uh, whatever means. We did that pretty recently. We'll go a couple more before we uh, 
go over what whatever means again. Monk means, you know what monk means, right? I'm not a monk, by the way. Common mistake because of the robe. Um, belonging to the order means it comes to be given to the order, handed over to it. There's a ceremony. Like, you know, I haven't been through that. Ceremony. I did get, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, ordained, but not, not as a Buddhist monk a long time ago. The experience left me with the feeling that I, I don't ever want to do that again in any context. So, oh well. It's one of those things where there's Buddhist saints that were never ordained monks, so I'm not too worried about it. Not to say that, I mean, but there's the potential there. You don't have to be a monk in order to attain enlightenment. You don't have to be a monk to be considered someone who is noteworthy in the world of Buddhism. So, there you have it. Couch means there are four parentheses kinds of close parentheses couch. A long one, one with slats, one with curved legs, one with removable legs. Well, two of those sounded suggestive, and one of them sounded painful and or unfortunate. Chair means there are four parentheses kinds of close parentheses chair. A long one, one with slats, one with curved legs, one with removable legs. Same joke twice, sorry. Mattress means there are five parentheses kinds of close parentheses mattress. A mattress, parentheses made, close parentheses of wool. A mattress, parentheses made, close parentheses of cotton cloth. A mattress made, parentheses of bark. That's not my favorite kind. A mattress made, in parentheses, of tina grass. Maybe that's nice. I don't know. A mattress, parentheses, made, close parentheses, of leaves. I guess it depends on the leaves, doesn't it? Um, stool means made of bark or made of couscous or made of munja grass or made of reeds. And here I thought they were talking about the kind of stool that you sit on. Sorry. It is bound having tucked them in. All right, let's keep going. Spreading means himself spreading. Having spread means making another spread. Does it? It sounds like past tense of spreading. If he makes one who is not ordained spread, parentheses, it, close parentheses, it is an impediment for him. If he makes one who is ordained spread it, there is an impediment for the one who spreads it. Ah, it in parentheses. So if a monk tells a lay person, hey, spread this, then the monk is guilty of the crime of spreading it and leaving it to get soggy or pooed on by birds. But if a monk tells another monk to do it, and that monk does it, he should have known better, because he chants this rule every so often. Right? Setting forth should neither remove it, means should not himself remove it. Should uh, no, Nor have it removed, means should not make another remove it. That means if they don't remove it, it's bad. Or if they don't have another remove it, it's bad. So it's defining removing it and having another remove it, not telling you that it's a good idea to remove it. 
I mean, to not remove it. Never mind. Or should go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, means. Not asking a monk or a novice or a monastery attendant, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses. If he goes further than the outward stone throw of a man of average height, there is an offense of expiation. What if it's an Olympic athlete of average height? Sorry. If he thinks that it belongs to the order, when it belongs to the order, spreading it or having it spread in the open, setting forth, should neither remove it nor have it removed, or should go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it belongs to the order, three dots, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it belongs to an individual when it belongs to the order. Spreading it, or three dots, in the open air, three dots, without having asked, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If it is a carpet, or a bed cover, or a ground covering, or a straw mat, or an animal's skin, or a mat for the feet, or a wooden chair, spreading it or having spread it in the open air, setting forth should neither remove it nor have it removed, or should go away without having asked, open parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If he thinks that it belongs to the order when it belongs to an individual, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether it belongs to an individual, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it belongs to an individual when it belongs to an individual, parentheses, but, close parentheses, to another individual, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Don't ruin another monk's mattress, even if it doesn't belong to the order. It's wrongdoing. It's just not expiation. If it's temple property, you done messed up. If it belongs to the individual himself, there is no offense. You can ruin your own stuff. That's fine. There is no offense if, having removed it, he goes away. If, having caused it to be removed, he goes away. If, having asked, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, he goes away. If, drying himself in the sun, he goes away. If it comes to be taken possession of by something, what? Ah, okay. Right, okay. So if a yaka, like a demon, comes and sits on it, if a lion or a tiger stands on it, then it becomes their possession. So then you can just walk away and say, but Lord, there was a demon sitting on it. And you say, oh, okay. Um, if there are accidents, let's check the footnote. It doesn't say. All right. If he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, the fourth, says here, the fourth that is of the second set of ten, in other words the fourteenth, hence the Roman numerals in the title of this episode alright, well I certainly agree with that one, I have to say, I have no issue 
whatsoever with that one. And aside from, you know, the use of the word stool to describe something that is clearly not a stool, uh, unless we're talking, never mind. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it works in modern time. If you're out in a field and you have like a cushion or something, don't just walk away, dude. I mean, if you're going to walk away and want to stand up and have a moment and kind of walk around and go, I was meditating and then I just got inspired to stand up and look around. That's fine. But don't wander off more than a stone's throw, okay, would you? Because the cushion, you know, it's like it's temple property. You could not let it get pooed on by birds. Yeah, totally holds up in modern times as well. Shall we read Pakitiya 15? Let's do it. Can you guess where they were staying? You're right. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anatta Pindika's monastery. Now at that time, the group of 17 monks were companions. Well, this is a new group. They set forth to, they just set forth together. Setting forth what? Staying, they just stayed together. Ah, setting forth, they just set forth together. Okay, so these 17 monks are just always together, right? These, spreading a sleeping place in a certain dwelling belonging to the order, setting forth, neither removed it nor had it removed. Parentheses, but, close parentheses, set forth without having asked, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses. The lodging became eaten by white ants. Wow. Must have been something that used to exist before those Argentina ants took over. <laughs> talking to those in the Americas. North, South, Central, one type of ant. There used to be more. When people my age were young, we remember seeing other types of ants, but not anymore. Here in India, though, many types of ants, especially in the tropics, as you might imagine. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, How can this group of 17 monks, spreading a sleeping place in a dwelling place belonging to the order, setting forth, neither remove it nor have it removed, Parentheses, but, close parentheses, set forth without having asked, parentheses, for permission, so that, close parentheses, the lodging is eaten by white ants, end quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord, three dots. He said, quote, is it true, as is said, monks, that the group of 17 monks, three dots, Belonging to the order, setting forth, neither removed it, three dots, eaten by white ants, end quote. Quote, it is true, Lord, end quote. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, quote, How, monks, can these foolish men, three dots, eaten by white ants? It is not, monks, for pleasing those who are not, yet in parentheses, pleased, three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk, sleeping in a sleeping place, or having spread it in a dwelling belonging to the order, setting forth should neither remove it nor have it removed, or should go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, 
there is an offense of expiation. I can relate with this one as well. In that temple in which I was ordained, that's not Buddhist, that I mentioned earlier, sometimes we'd have events that were 24-hour events. So people would bring sleeping bags into the temple. And then the next day, everybody's gone home, and I'd be, you know, for example, living at the temple, and go in and see like three or four sleeping bags just there in the temple, just off to the side. And I'd be the one to have to go up and roll them up and put them away. Guys, guys, get it together. Whatever means, three dots, is, uh, yes, monk means, belonging to the order means, it comes to be given to the order, handed over to it. Sleeping place means a mattress, a carpet, a bed cover, a ground covering, a straw mat, an animal's skin. A little present for you vegans out there. Just kidding. A piece of cloth for sitting on, a sheet, a grass mat, a leaf mat. Spreading means himself spreading. Having spread means making another spread. Setting forth should neither remove it, means should not himself remove it. Nor have it removed, means should not make another remove it. Or should go away without asking, parentheses for permission, close parentheses, means not asking a monk or a novice or a monastery attendant, parentheses for permission, close parentheses. If he goes further than the fence of a fenced-in monastery, there is an offense of expiation. If he goes further than the precincts of a monastery not fenced in, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it belongs to the order, when it belongs to the order, spreading a, a sleeping place or having it spread, setting forth, should neither remove it nor have it removed, or should go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it belongs to the order, three dots, without asking parentheses for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it belongs to an individual, when it belongs to the order, spreading a sleeping place, three dots, or should go away without asking, parentheses for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of expiation. If spreading a sleeping place or having it spread in the precincts of a dwelling place or in an assembly room or in a hut or at the foot of a tree, setting forth should neither remove it, three dots, or should go away without asking parentheses for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If Spreading a couch or a chair or having it spread in a monastery or in the precincts of a monastery or in an assembly room or in a hut or at the foot of a tree, setting forth should neither remove it, three dots, or should go away without asking, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it belongs to the order when it belongs to an individual, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it belongs to an individual, when it belongs to an individual, parentheses but, close parentheses, to another individual, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If it belongs to the individual himself, there is no offense. 
It's yours. You can destroy it. There is no offense if, having removed it, he goes away. If, having caused it to be removed, he goes away. If, having asked, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, he goes away. If it comes to be taken possession of by something, right, remember this? If going with the expectation, what? Sapeco, that's the footnote. It's the poly word for expectation, but no explanation. That's fun. Standing there, he asks, parentheses, for permission, close parentheses, if he becomes taken possession of by something, if there are accidents, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, the fifth. And that's our reading for today. Don't leave other people's stuff out to be crapped on by birds or eaten by ants. Roll up your sleeping bag when you wake up. Don't leave it in the temple, please. Or else it's an offense of expiation. I am right on board with these two rules. I'm on board with most of these rules. Most of these rules. Some of the commentary and some of this stuff is a little bit dated, I, I feel. Um, when it comes to gender equality, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, probably for the time, it was progressive. Um, I remember hearing something about how initially Lord Buddha did not want to allow women into the order, but Ananda convinced him to let Lord Buddha's aunt join. I don't know if that's a, a story from Tipitaka or if it's a made-up or, excuse me, remembered story from centuries year late, centuries later, or, you know, uh, channeled, learned in a dream, that kind of thing. Um, but as far as what I'm going to be considering, like literal, actual, historical what happened. I'm looking to the Tipitaka for that. And then once we finish reading it, maybe in two years, then we can move on to the uh, sort of more mythological, not not saying that with any, um, it's just, you know, a little different from historical, right? Stories are good. Good stories are great, right? Um, they're just a little different from historical fact, or at least the closest we can get to historical fact. Um, I'll read a little more about uh, Sai Baba since it's here in front of me. The Satguru who, having trodden the path to divine consciousness, can lead the disciple through the jungle of spiritual growth. Right. So he would be all for following in the footsteps of the Buddha or whoever the, the Satguru is. Sai Baba condemned discrimination based on religion or caste. Pretty cool, maybe a bit ahead of his time for living in the 1800s, right? Whether he was a Muslim or a Hindu remains unclear. Nobody knows whether Sai Baba was a Muslim or a Hindu. That's interesting. Uh, but the distinction was of no consequence to the man himself. His teachings combined elements of Hinduism and Islam. He gave the Hindu name Dwarakamayi to the mosque in which he lived, practiced both Hindu and Muslim rituals, and taught using words and figures that drew from both traditions. That's pretty cool. 
especially today where there's uh, the divide between countries and in some case the divide between religions. But when you get down to an individual level, for the most part, except for people who are followers of that, of the, of the, uh, can I say this without getting myself into trouble? But yeah, on an individual level, you find, you know, you go to rural parts of India, you go to any village and you'll see a woman in a sari with, uh, you know, the red, what's it called? Oh, my ignorance is showing. You know, a, a Hindu woman walking, literally holding hands, or, you know, walking and laughing with a woman in a full burqa, with just the eyes showing. And it's on the ground, it's not so contentious. When people get into their heads and they're isolated in their communities and marching with their on, okay, I'll stop talking. Well, I hope that uh, you all are doing well. I hope you were at least a little bit amused. And uh, we'll pick up uh, next time where we left off with Pakitia 16. But for now, I will close with the usual closing prayer. <clears throat> to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below. We send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.